And now, get growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Happy Easter to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer blog page where there's a new post on the four plants that will turn your yard into a pollinator airport. Hmm. Also, what else? Uh, the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there's always a garden dialogue going on. You want more? We've got more. There's YouTube. There's Instagram. There's Pinterest. And you're on, you're on Pinterest. It's on Pinterest. I I went on there five years ago. Put up some pictures of salvias. They're quite lovely. That's about all I've done. Bet, but you can find them. And people are probably still downloading. Them. Oh yes. Yes. You're welcome to them. Yes. It's fine with me. Why else would you yeah. put it on Pinterest? That's right. Yes. I, I figured if I was single, Pinterest would be a great way to date. Every now and then when I'm giving a talk about low water landscaping and such, I'll mention salvias, great yeah. choice. And I say, how many of you are on Pinterest? And of course, you're never quite sure where those pictures came from. And they, uh, if you if you want to copyright something, you better emboss it with your yeah, own Yeah, you have to watermark the yeah. pictures if you want, to, anyway. if you want to keep track of them. But great think- gardening weather in the Sacramento Valley today. Happy Easter to everybody. And lovely day to get out and turn some soil and start thinking about summer vegetables monday tuesday wednesday thursday mostly to partly sunny with highs in the mid 70s overnight lows Sunday, and how much rain is still a mystery but there is this plume headed our way from the tropics the national weather service is, is staying conservative with showers likely friday and saturday what i look at that and i see night temperatures in the low 50s days in the 70s and rain i think Fungus weather. The fungus among us. Yes. There was a old fungus. Yeah. We, we get it rather specific times here. What I'm looking at here is a fire blight, which hits your apples, mm-hmm. pears, quince. Uh, what am I forgetting? Loquats, pyracantha. Yeah. And it's got a narrow temperature range of about 55 to 80 degrees and high humidity. So when it rains, when the apples are blooming, which happens to usually yeah. be about 55 to 80 degrees. Or your sprinklers are hitting right. the plant. You, you can, unfortunately, increase the problem, but it's something to watch for. It's one of those tougher diseases to deal with, but uh, we're getting close. Right now, what people are bringing into my nursery, peach leaf curl, because it's showing up and yep. it's, it's visible. Yep. The fire blight, I warned the staff, seven people, peach leaf curl, uh, don't worry that much about it. It's not doing that much harm. Fire blight, though, is killing short shoots, killing blossoms, mm-hmm. damaging fruit, disfiguring the tree and does require some management, although it's not easy. It's prime advisor, and they did some experimentation on various cuts in fire blight infected wood and and found that they never transferred any fire blight spores. Is it a bacteria? Bacteria. It's a bacteria. Now it does remove the potential for further infection. But you have to prune lower than you think. Yeah, way down into healthy tissue. I'll tell you what I do with with trees that get it that I'm going to keep. Um, I just wait it out. I wait until the whole season has run its course. Some years it's better, some years it's worse. Mm-hmm. Then about early summer, I'll get up there and I'll just carefully prune out because then it's really easy to see what to prune out. Yeah. Prune it all out. It's going into a plastic bag as I'm cutting them off. I'm cutting down into healthy green tissue, putting it in the plastic bag. That goes out with the trash. Right. And Not that composted. Seems, no, and that seems to manage it. I'm very concerned when it hits a young tree. Let's say you plant a 20th century Asian pear. For example, I know a guy who did. He's sitting right here. And he got fire blight really badly last year. And I didn't get around to getting it out of there. And one hole. Uh, don't buy Bartlett. There's no reason. Yep. On a scale of 1 to 10, its resistance is 1. Look for a moon glow or kefir or a pineapple or uh, there's three or four others that have very high resistance to fire blight. Then you won't have this. 
if you don't know what fire blight looks like, it looks like somebody took a blowtorch to the top of your tree or the sides of the yeah. trees, the extremities of the tree. Hence the name, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so just, it yeah. does look like somebody basically tried to torch your tree. Yeah, and I've got pictures on my website, and I'm sure you probably do as well. It's one of the most recognizable, like peach leaf curl, something is really going wrong. You yeah. can tell, you know, that's why the people come in with it. In the case of the peach leaf curl, I'm not that concerned about it. The plant will just outgrow it, and it barely affects the fruit or anything. So it's a case where, yeah, I'll spray if you want to, but it's, it's not that crucial. But fire blight, if you leave them on there and leave that dead wood up there, that's a bacterial reinfection source for the following year, and right. it just gets worse and worse. Conversely, with peach leaf curl, mm-hmm. you don't want to be wasting your time going in there and plucking off no. the leaves that have that problem yeah. because the majority of the leaf is actually still photosynthesizing. Yeah, it's still, it's you know, still working. Peach leaf curl is one of the most over... It's like teenage acne. <laughs> well, we should know, Fred. <laughs> but, I mean, I've taken pictures when I give talks. I do this. I take a picture of my leaf curl in the second week of April when the plant is at its maximum visible symptoms. Some years it's 90% leaf infection. I go stand in the exact same spot, and I suggest you do this at home. The leaf is still photosynthesizing. Not any impact particularly on, on the flowers in terms of overall yield. In my whole career, I've seen peach leaf curl on nectarines, fruit, twice where they looked like little Klingon nectarines because they had funny little bumpy things on the skin. They were still perfectly usable. You get hundreds of fruit that are completely unaffected. Some I do, you know, there are sprays. Unfortunately, the modern sprays are significantly less effective than what we used to have. Uh, We used to have fixed copper sulfate, microcop, lime sulfur, things like that. On 2010, okay, so eight years ago, they went off the market. You're not going to find them on shelves anymore. And so now we have these liquid copper sprays that give you my, what I've looked at the efficacy data, it looks like maybe 20 to 40% reduction. All right, let's do the math. If you have 90% leaf infection, typically, and you do a 20 to 40% reduction quality fruit. So I'm not so worried about peach leaf girl. Fire blight will kill tissue, will kill mm-hmm. blossoms, will prevent fruit from happening because it kills the blooms. So that's something you want to do something about. There's no spray for fire blight. You want to prune it out. And floor, they keep them mowed close. They 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 keep them absolutely bare of weeds. That's generally for disease prevention. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're getting all that disease tissue out of there, so it doesn't reinfect. All right, uh, got a garden question? Give us a call. Terry is a uh, email question from Diana in Loma Rica. She's looking for tart tomatoes. Tart. So we'll talk. Okay. I, I think tart means acid flavor. Tangy. Tangy. Yes. Well, yeah, not sweet. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll okay. we'll figure those out when we come back to get growing on Talk Six Fifty KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk Six Fifty KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman, along with Don Shore from Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis. Uh, throw it our way. Nine one six five seven six. 1578 or 866-331-8255. Hi, Terry. Terry's running the board today. And uh, here's an email question, Don, from uh, Diana in Loma Rica. She's looking for tart tomatoes like she had as a kid. Mm. She says, I prefer a hybrid for disease resistance. Also, not too big for sandwiches. Champion used to be my favorite, but they seem to have changed. And last few years, only the late ones were any good. I have, well, okay. Good timing, I suppose. Well, uh, that's an interesting question. First question I usually have for someone who asks what it was like when I was a kid is, where were you a kid? Because tomatoes are regional. And uh, when I get someone coming in wanting that beefsteak like my Uncle Bill used to grow the best, yeah. I grew Rutgers last year. Uh, did not yield well early in the season. It's a New Jersey, you know where Rutgers is. Right. It's a New Jersey variety, so we're not thinking it would be that spectacularly successful in the hot Sacramento Valley. It did yield well late in the season. 
It uh, it dropped flowers anytime the weather was anywhere near normal temperatures. Right. But as we cooled, eye, which has got green and red and mm. all that stuff in it, green zebra is another one you might try. I've uh, I, I'm not remembering whether it was that tart, but it did pop up on one of these suggestions here. I, I'm so, wondering what Diana means by tart. Yeah, Does she mean question. an acidic yeah. temper, uh, tomato? If that case is then uh, maybe select. Uh, last year was a higher than average temperature summer across the board. That would affect the sugar content. That would affect many aspects of them. It would affect the yield more than anything. So I would certainly keep trying some varieties. But there are some out there. The green zebra, the uh, the Berkeley tie-dye. Now, both of those, I think, are heirloom. Uh, so they're not going to be your hybrid types. But I suspect uh, one that I will recommend you look for at any greater nursery in the area that carries the Bradgate's Wild Boar Farms tomatoes, Michael Pollan. Mm, Michael okay. Pollan, named after the author. And it's one of the most interesting tomatoes that has come on the market in recent years. It's a large cherry style, but plum shaped or, or, or teardrop shaped fruit, which many people use green. They put it on shish kebabs and things like that before it's fully ripe. And then it ripens yellow with interesting striping. Best, probably long term introductions is the Michael Pollan. P-O-L-L-A-N, Michael Pollan. That's a tangy fruit. I think you'll enjoy that one. Remember about an hour ago over in the KFPK Garden Show, I was mm-hmm. mentioning the seven tomato varieties I'd be planting this mm-hmm. year? Mm-hmm. I just remembered an eighth. <laughs> <laughs> and and there was one year where we had, and it's a full-size tomato, and it was producing at Thanksgiving time. This, you know, it's not uncommon to have some of the, the tougher-skinned ones. This is mm-hmm. interesting. Lemon Boy is right. always still hanging on, even after the first rain. If you get a softer-skinned one, it's obviously you get even below 50 at night, which happens in late October. You get all your friends on the East Coast, you know, that you're out picking tomatoes. Oh, we're having fresh tomatoes with our salad tonight. What yes. are you doing, shoveling snow? Yes. <laughs> all right. so. Shall we go to the phones? Let's go up to uh, Garden Valley and talk with Roberta. Hi, Roberta. Well, good morning, Fred and Don. Hello. Hi there. Happy, happy, sunny, warm Easter morning to you. Thank goodness. Yes, thank goodness. Cherry tree, which I've bought and I need it because it's going to be a fruit bush. Okay. All right. Good idea. And, um, yeah, you know, then I can put netting over it and protect it from the birds. But I'm not as... Familiar with wing Drosophila. SWD. Yes, it's a spotted wing. It's a a fruit fly. And it showed up in California. Who has it been seven or eight years now, I think? Mm -hmm. First came in on red raspberries over on the coast. Within that season, four times as the fruit is ripening, you're going to have little wriggling worms in your fruit. And it's really really gross. Really. It's protein. Extra protein. Extra protein. So. Once again, we go to the Fair Oaks, uh, 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 I was going to say community Hort garden Center. again, Hort Center, yes. where they've done some experiments. And the one thing that does seem to work, if you're willing to do this, especially if you keep your tree as a fruit bush, is to cover the trees, to keep the fruit flies off of the fruit as it begins to turn color. If you don't do something by the time that the fruit is straw colored, they're already ovipositing. That's what makes this fruit fly so disturbing and unusual is that it actually oviposits, lays its eggs on mm-hmm. fruit before it's ripe. You know, if you had fruit flies in your kitchen, yeah. when you leave stuff there too long, and it's going in for the stuff that's rotting. Well, this one gets them before they're even fully soft. Do repeated applications. That gives you something to think about when you're buying cherries in the grocery store nowadays. Or you cover yeah. the branch or the whole thing somehow. And I have customers that are, that are going to do this. They're going to go out and buy seedling blanket or frost blanket 
and cover either a whole branch completely or the whole tree if it's small enough and give that a try and see if they can keep those. Very trees that you have to be aware of is the time of pruning. It is not to be pruned in the wintertime. It should be pruned in August. Only. Yeah, because of the rain spread diseases that can happen uh, to those open wounds if you did it in winter. So prune your cherry trees in late summer. Cherries and apricots prune only in late summer, August. So summer pruning, which is really easy, by the way. Cherries just shoot for the sky. You just cut off that stuff that's getting too tall. The worms out of the fruit. It is said that one way to avoid the spotted wing drosophila Mm -hmm. is to plant an early uh, variety of cherry, one that fruits Mm. earlier than the rest. Early burlap or something like that. Yeah, lapin ripens about, I think, four days after Bing. So that's a mid-season. Yeah. So you want something earlier than that. Yeah, I mean, this thing isn't absolutely everywhere. Right. But anyone in town, everyone in town in Davis has the problem. So if you're in a community where there's cherry trees, you pretty well very likely have it. Um, you, you know, you can wait and see. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very obvious when you have them. I mean, there's worms in the fruit yeah. and you can't miss them. And that's um, what I'd say to you, Roberta, since you're in Garden Valley, they may yeah. not have found you yet. Yeah. So if it ain't that's, broke, don't fix it. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, there you I'm go. Yeah. I'm higher up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it could be. And no one else. The fruit fly problem. When I don't have any on my cherry trees because I'm out in the country, and the nearest cherry tree is probably 10 acres away. Yeah. So you may be in luck well. for a while. Be aware of that one. You'll certainly know it when you get it. I mean, you'll see. Look at the fruit. I'll, anybody out there, look at your cherries before you eat them. It'll be very obvious if there's something you'll in there. Other than that, though, they're easy to grow. Don't overwater cherries. Deep mm-hmm. soakings infrequently. The worst. There yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, Thanks. Roberta. Thanks for the call. Uh, we'll Bye. take a short break. When we come back, we'll delve into more of your garden questions at 916-576-1578 or toll-free 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. Don Shore from Ray, but you got other things. <laughs> yes, we do. All right, we can talk about the other things Lots when, of we, flowers. when we come back. All right, it's uh, Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Don Shore from Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis, answering your gardening questions at 916-576-1578 or armorfred.com. Phil in Moraga, he's been on hold so long it was Christmas when he called. <laughs> Hello, Phil. No, it was your birthday last year. Yes, okay, thank you. All right. Hey, happy Easter, guys. Hey, um, real quick. When you're talking about the tomatoes, um, Intent. when you pick them makes a big difference, you know, whether you let them ripen absolutely fully on the vine or pick them a little earlier. Um, so, yes, I would expect that if you were deficient in some nutrients, that might have some impact as well. So, Phil, um, here's a quiz for you. Not a quiz, but an experiment you can do is uh, get like four different large containers mm-hmm. and fill it with a soil mix, each at a specific pH from maybe 5.5 up to 7.5. I might do that for you this year, and I'll okay. give you the comments on it. There you go. We'll, we'll yeah. look forward to your report. Yeah, yeah, I'll plant them on your birthday, and I'll pick them on my birthday, and then we'll figure out what we did. When is oh, your, yeah. when is your birthday? October 27th. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. Day, but yeah. not, not too much. It's like zone 14 or yeah. yes. 8, 9. The princess flower, for those who don't know, is really a gorgeous plant. Taibu China or Viliana, yeah. I do yeah. believe. Yeah. And it's like a weed in Hawaii. Yeah. And that that gets twenty feet tall. Whereas here we have to struggle to get it to six feet. Or it's really a, you get on the other side of the coast range. It does great all through mm-hmm. the Bay Area, Southern Cal, other tropical plants. And if it comes in here into the valley, that's why I asked where you were. Uh, I, they never make it through the winter here, but yeah. closer to the coast, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful plant. Yeah, with beautiful so how big? Oak. You said it's got eight feet. 
Oh, it's at least, yeah, it's eight feet. Yeah, it moves all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah they, well, there it does. I yeah. just would not prune it going into freezing weather. I wouldn't prune it when there's a risk of freezing weather. So now, you know, now that we're getting into April, late April, most of these subtropical plants like lantanas and brugmansias and things like that, I figure the first of May is a great time to start pruning them. They kind of show you where to cut. They're beginning to flush out new growth. You can cut them back to that. And it, once you're in mild weather, mild Which plants, and it looks like the plant is dead, don't be in a rush to take it yeah. out start yeah. looking for new growth emanating from the base and that may not appear till the end of april procrastination is an approved horticultural technique yes it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that your, was that your yeah, question I'm good that. you guys answered my question all right thanks a beautiful phil. day all right, all right thanks phil all right Bye appreciate now. it all right well, remember the big free because i i planted from cuttings from my neighbors uh Six uh, cuttings of Charles Grimaldi. The, oh my God, that's a huge plant. It's a big plant. Well, <laughs> yes, I'm using yeah, it as a screening have, yeah. plant. Okay, yeah. and it, basically the freeze kind of took them back to yeah. basically yeah. sticks, yeah. but the sticks are still green. As long so as they're I'm, green, you can you can scratch the bark with your thumbnail. They're green underneath where there is protoplasm. There is hope. That's the right. bumper sticker I'm going to sell one day. Right up there with. <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to the phones. Vivian in Sacramento. Thanks for calling. Hello. Hi. Hi. Is it too late to prune my pomegranate tree? It's only ten forty in the morning, so I think there's you can time. you can till till then. It's a little trickier with pomegranates because there's fruit hanging on the and plant thorns. at that point, <laughs> and there are kind of spiny as well. Yeah. But no, if if you need to shape it, that's fine. Prune after bloom is not a bad uh, mantra to have. Except that one doesn't oh. bloom until April. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. Mine are just starting. The leaves are just yeah. starting to bud out, yeah. and I went, "Oh, I didn't prune. I might have missed it." Yeah, no, you're fine. You won't hurt. Oh, yeah, you you, you really can't hurt a pomegranate. Crazy. You know, they're they're one of the tough varieties. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> you, yes, it is. yes, it's wonderful, wonderful. Probably the best known variety of pomegranate is a variety called mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's a, that's yeah. a great valley plant. I mean, it loves heat. It loves drought. drought. It's yeah. an ornamental. Even if you don't use the fruit, it's Birds attractive. Love it. yeah. yeah. The only thing is uh, figuring out what to do with the fruit. Oh, make jelly. Yep. It makes wonderful jelly yep. because it is. Granite juice is, one, is, is very rich. It's kind of overpoweringly flavorful. Mm-hmm. People often want to blend it. My son gave me, uh, as a special gift, he went online and found one of those old-fashioned metal orange juicers. Uh, they look like a hand crank. Right, yeah. yeah, and you it, put down plastic before you do this. Cut them in half, which is the hard part. The pomegranate, the not pomegranate, oranges. yeah. And then you just put it on this thing, and it and it juices it beautifully. Of course, juice kind of splatters everywhere. Yeah, red stains. Pomegranate juice does not come out of anything, but it's a wonderful juice. Yeah, what happens to the seeds? They just kind of go by the side. So oh. yeah, it works well. All right, well, that's one cure. D- David and Orville, welcome to get growing. Hello, happy Easter. Hello, hey, David. David. <clears throat> hey, uh, we have one of those uh, patio burners, you know, that you uh, put the branches in and. Can we put those fireplace ashes in the... Uh, pound of wood ash per 100 square feet of garden once a year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just okay. because of the alkalinity yeah. involved. It, it really okay. raises the pH a bit too much. So on a limited basis, you could. And then the eggshells, we just toss those out there too? You can do whatever you want with eggshells. I'll tell you, they take forever to break down, but they're mm-hmm. fine to pull or half hole. Just because okay. it, 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 it's kind of ugly. They do take a long time to break down. So this yeah. is the only reason we're being a little skeptical. There's nothing wrong with them in the garden. You see them touted for all kinds of things, but it takes them so long to break down that they really... I was looking for an unusual seed, Uh-oh. and I thought maybe he had misspelled the plant, and then I looked it up, and I was amazed at what I found. Uh, Muhammad wrote in and said, do you think I can find moringa seeds? I have moringa plants right now. 
All right. Let's, I do actually good. have Let's moringa plants. Moringa. Well, it's the miracle tree. It is actually interesting. This comes up with some of my part of the tree. It's incredibly right. nutritious. It's tropical. Yeah, subtropical. exactly. But the, as you point out, it, this is a tree that is very edible and has been edible for right. thousands of years yes. by people it's in it. Southeast Asia yeah. and yep. India, yes. using it for salads, using uh, the just about every part of it, and all sorts of interesting bromides. The tree happens to buy from Park Greenhouse. They grow it, or at least they had it this week. And I had a customer who wanted some, and so I brought some in. Uh, finding the seed might be a little challenging. This is going to be one of those online things. And I've got to tell you, online vendors for seed and things like that make me very, very nervous mm-hmm. because you just, you know, you're going by the reputation or whatever. And it is something that is occasionally grown. I've had in, in my career, I've had two growers that have done it. One is a, a bedding plant grower over in Santa Rosa, Sweetwater Nursery. So if you're listening over in that area or they happen to buy from them, they've had it in the past, I believe. And then I happen to get it from my house plant supplier, Park Greenhouse, who does not sell to the public, but they sell to Green Acres and they sell to Redwood Barn. I don't know how many farms are in Sherman Oaks, California, <laughs> in the San Fernando Valley, but yeah. that's where he is growing yep. uh, or, and selling Moringa products, be they plants or right. seeds. And it's a uh, Moringa farms.com i do believe so most most of your listeners are in sunset zones 8 9 14 yeah, this is zone 24 yeah that's where i grew up never saw frost in my childhood so yeah. uh, here we are in the valley where we get down into the 20s it will kill moringa it'd bring it indoors as a house plant but i don't think you it's not like uh, some other things like jacaranda where if you found just the right little microclimate right. avocados for example you'd be able to grow them <laughs> this is one which you probably want to keep it in a pot and if you have a sunny room indoors you could bring it in when you get to about halloween and get it to get through the winter that way but it's a vigorous plant i mean if you get one seed as a cover crop and then harvest it and mm. when it gets a few inches tall don't pull it out of the ground just chop it off sure and then use the greens in your salad or, okay. or whatever yeah. you do with you do greens. that in a container too i suppose and that'd be a matter of finding the seed in quantity that, but, yeah getting the seed in quantity and then it's easier certainly to cover to protect it from mm-hmm a frost or a freeze, yeah. but I mean, at 50 degrees, it's going to get below 50 degrees. Yeah, that tells you that it's a true track by. We're not talking about frost damage. We're talking about internal metabolic problems from lower than expected temperatures. Um, it is easy to grow apparently, but definitely mm-hmm. don't plant it before, you know, we're past any cold. Yeah. If you ask people from Southeast Asia or India about the Moringa, they yeah. just sort of wave it off and go, oh, that weed. <laughs> right, it's right. like a, Yes. When man's seed from the internet, I'd rather have you order from an actual established vendor if you can find one who has some kind of a reputation. All right. Well, I mean, I get questions all the time because I'm a bamboo guy. Can, oh, I yeah. saw there was bamboo seed on the internet. Yeah, who knows what you're going to get. So, well, sort of like tomato seed sometimes. Right. Yeah, all right. We'll take a short break. More of Get Growing and a Garden Grappler is coming up at 11 o'clock. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Along with Don Shore from Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis. Don't forget a Garden Grappler coming up at the top of the hour. Clue available at FarmerFred.com. Clue available at the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page. Somewhere buried in the comments section underneath those uh, four examples of of uh, liquid amber. I'm okay. Um Grapes is the correct way to prune a uh, lagerstromia. Uh, lagerstromia, uh, crepe myrtle. I think the only wrong one is A. Well, it'll flower no matter what you do, yeah. almost, unless you keep cutting off all the new growth. So if you've got someone in your household who really wants to prune something and you don't want them to damage anything else in the yard, maybe the crepe myrtle is the safest thing for them to go. And it's really a wonderful tree. 
easy care. Yeah, zero yeah. care. Yeah, I mean, I have sure. them. I have yeah. several on my property uh, that I've planted where I've done absolutely nothing to them, and they're turning into these great, big, beautiful specimens, five or six trunks. I might go in at some point and saw out some of the crossing branches on the interior, but they bloom beautifully. And I mean, it's just why would you prune something when you don't have to? The, the, the crepe murder, yes. uh, and uh, D would probably be the most correct. I guess the thing I really want to get across is it's. You don't have to do that. I have people coming and saying, my neighbor cuts them back this way, and he says you're supposed to do that. No. 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 There's no he, right he may, answer. He may wish to do that if he, you know, if he wants to keep them smaller, looking like a lollipop tree. What's dot com yep. of how to prune a, a crepe myrtle, and it's in, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you can check that out there, and it's easy. All right. Mary in Mantico, welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. We go in the, uh, around our grapevines, and they get in our faces. Ah, uh, leaf hoppers, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what they were called. Yeah. It looks like they're in the, the blackberries this year, too. What do I do to get rid of them? Leaf hoppers are, ooh, I hate leaf hoppers, and the, the controls aren't easy. Uh, is it, Don, is it blue sticky tape or yellow sticky t- uh, tape that they're Well, you, that to? would be for monitoring them. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of sprays you can use, but I don't know that it's really necessary to do that. Yes, they usually take out the lower leaves, uh, lower part of the plant to get them more open to get so the beneficials can get in there. Oil sprays are probably the most commonly used in organic, and they really show up, and they... Uh, shake the plants, and if you see them flying up off of there, it's time to do that spray. Not hurting the plant all that well, much. They're more of a nuisance. The grapes are just leafing out now, but the, but the insects are already flying around. Hmm. Maybe it's not leaf hoppers. Seems a little early. Why don't you catch some of those Yeah. and uh, take them in to get them identified? Because those could be something else entirely. Because I don't think of leaf hopper as being along this earth. About four or five weeks after they break and start to grow before you see any of them on there. But if you want to spray, if you're looking for a spray for it, any kind of summer oil or neem oil is going to be the safest thing you could use. Yeah. And that's should a great... Gr- uh, uh, when should I start suffering my grapes or do they have another, another thing to eat? So that's going to be soon. Uh, probably How many weeks? Couple, uh, two, two weeks apart, roughly. It, basically, when there's six inches of growth, you dust them. When there's 12 inches of growth, you dust them. Mm-hmm. When there's 18 inches of growth, you dust them. When there's 24 inches of growth, you dust them. And that's it. You're and, done. And it's best... D- six inches of growth? Yeah. It's just, just bugging and not... Yeah, mine aren't that far out. along. I would think you're probably at least a couple weeks out. So, yeah, Okay. I have plenty of grapevines, so it takes me quite a while. Yeah, well, you got to get one of those old-fashioned dusters, or the rotary dusters. You can still buy those. but the- well, If it is, get, Mary, you need to get that pest positively identified. Yeah, I'm a little concerned because they seem like yeah. they're awfully okay. early. But yeah, yeah. That, so it could be something else. But yeah, well, regular summer oil okay. or neem oil is going to be the safest thing to use. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Thanks All right, bye-bye. All right, up to Chico we go. And Bill, hello, Bill. Welcome to Get Growing. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. Uh, last year, I I received a gift of a dwarf genetic dwarf tomato called tasmanian chocolate mm-hmm. yes and I've it had was that. absolutely delicious and i'm just wondering if you folks have any experience with that those types of tomatoes i grew it last year and it was totally unmemorable 
<laughs> but it was dwarf. It was yeah, a, it, was yeah, a short, it, was. Short... It, it, it did only get maybe 20, 24 inches tall. It's interestingly, it's not a, not an heirloom. Well, no, mine it, got much bigger heirloom. than that. It does have. It's pretty. It says here that the flavor is full, balanced, to, and delicious. Mine got up to easily four feet. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but it's just a nice big bush. So this is part because of a series of needs to be staked. What part is that of, thing called? All gardening is local. Yes, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yes. To cross between. Uh, do you know anything about any of the other uh, genetics? Husky gold, husky red, husky pink are very good growers with great flavor, and you'll find those at a lot of nurseries because they're they're actually still out in the trade in a big way. Mm-hmm. For some, when people come into my shop looking for a tomato for a container. We always have to have a pretty long conversation. Uh, there's Tumbling Tom. There's Patio, which has been around forever. But the Husky series, in my opinion, are some of the best yeah. of these short, shorter determinate types. Actually, what they call a dwarf indeterminate tomato with good flavor. So Husky is the yeah. series to look for. If you go, <laughs> go on. That's okay. No, that's fine. Go on FarmerFred.com. Look for a uh, listing called Growing Tomatoes in the Wintertime. And there's a whole list of short-season dwarf tomatoes that I've grown in the past, um, like Oregon Spring, yeah. uh, Prairie Fire, things like that. And then we'll expect okay. your, your feedback in September. There you go. You, you got it. Okay. All right, Bill. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. All right. All right. Garden Grappler coming up in a few minutes. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred Prize Closet. Uh, it's a subject we've been talking about. There is a clue available at FarmerFred.com. Just click on the link that says a clue for and uh, then be prepared to win. First five callers will get a prize and a bonus prize for caller five, but you don't even know the question yet. We'll reveal that after the news, which is coming up. Don't forget the show is available as what a is, podcast. What is the general subject of the grappler? Vegetables. Okay. All right. Uh, what, uh, what was I? What, now you dis- <laughs> Oh, I'm lost <laughs> now. I'm lost now. Oh. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two on this Easter Sunday morning. Don Shore is here from Redwood Bar Nursery in Davis. He will be your answers to your question, which is name a hybrid tomato variety. Mm. So before we give a clue, um, we won't explain what hybrid is now. But if the phones don't ring, maybe we will explain the differences between hybrid and heirloom. But basically, name a hybrid tomato variety. That Hybrids, I consider the training wheel tomatoes for the first-time garden. Family in buying vegetables for the first time. You can mm-hmm. tell. They have a lot of questions. I want them to succeed. I want something right. to fruit no matter what. Well, they're going to walk out with a, and I will not film soaking when they get watered. So again, the question, name a hybrid tomato mm-hmm. variety. All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five, because as you know, in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. The numbers to call, 916-576-1578, 916-576-1578, or 866-331-8255, 866-331-8255. Name a hybrid tomato variety. Terry is pacing. He's pacing in the control room, waiting for the phones to ring. Name a hybrid tomato variety. Good luck. Well, we wait for that. I told a customer that I would ask you on the air about the moisture meter that you've been using for years. Sure. We were talking about how to figure out when to water. 
tomatoes. Mm-hmm. He happens to have raised beds, as I believe you do. I do. Yes. Whereas I'm just out in the field. I'm out in the you know, yeah. agricultural soil, into a potting soil. I said, well, one thing that this guy I know who does a radio show, he uses a moisture meter. And he goes out there, he pokes it, and it tells him. And you know, over time, you probably don't need to do that as often because you kind of figure out, oh, it's seven days or it's five mm-hmm. days or it's whatever it is. What was the moisture meter that you have used for so many years? There are pictures of it. If you go to the clue for the Garden Grappler, that is the Farmer Fred Rant blog page. And on my favorites, and I, I only plug it because it's worked for me for over 10 years. Well, that's amazing, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's paid for itself then because most of the ones that most of us sell are uh, 10 bucks and they last a season. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically sort of a, a, a yellow cube on top of a 18 or 24-inch probe because I am still at the learning stage of my garden. Your new soil. Yeah, Yeah. new soil. All these raised beds have new soil, so I'm not sure exactly of how well it all it, it's all draining out you, you brought what, you brought in topsoil or you brought in or you went and bought you you are the retail n- nursery owner's delight you actually bought bags of soil oh god i wish <laughs> no uh I, I go to hasty's yeah there you go okay well that's the compost blend right you know, yeah, yeah exactly and uh it, I've, I've used it before and i've had good luck with it yeah. so i've used it again but i still want to know how well does it drain Raised beds drain a lot quicker yes. than your basic soil. And I've discovered one thing about our soil and be a cattle ranch. Hmm. And so it's actually quite rich soil. You may not need to apply fertilizer. Yes. Yeah. Well, or water. Yeah. I mean, I remember the previous owner when he was discussing the 14 liquid amber trees he had in the backyard. Oh, they did great. He said, I never water these. <laughs> I'm looking at the trees. I go, well, then there's yeah. something going on here. And uh, food crops need good drainage. Where we are, we have, you know, in the Davis, Dixon, Woodland area, we have great agricultural soil for the most part, but some neighborhoods have rather heavier soil. Mm -hmm. I have to have a completely different conversation with a customer who has raised beds and has purchased in soil either from the local rock yard like Davis Ace or has bought bags of stuff. There, that's like a container mix. I mean, yes, it, one right. water runs right yeah. through it. Drip works great for watering. M. Leonard Company, which is a great purveyor for well, that, this that, type that's of stuff. Well, like a catalog yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very high quality. And they look, so to the friend who's listening, farmerfredrant.whatever. Yeah. Dot com. It's not cheap, I'll tell you this. That, no, I can that, see that. That, but, uh, that moisture meter is around 100 bucks. But for 10 years, uh, I get, there, there's no shelf uh, day. Yeah. Whereas yeah. out in the ground, I can go 7 to 10 days between waterings with tomatoes, not with the other things. But tomatoes like a deep soaking. Their roots go very deep, 4 feet deep if they can. So uh, anyway, the moisture meter can be very helpful. Have you had your soil tested for nutrients? Yes, I have. Okay, and uh, it it really varies uh, yeah. from now that I've had the ba- I haven't had the raised bed soil tested. Mm-hmm. I have tested the front the big landscape, and I did those that test before the landscape makeover. Yep. And the landscape makeover basically turned the backyard into raised beds, the front yard into terraced because it's on a slope okay. into terraced ersatz raised beds, if yep. you will. And uh, no, it's because of squirrels. Ah, uh, I can control the squirrels in the backyard because I have trained my dogs well. I can be looking out the kitchen window and see a squirrel running along the fence in the backyard. All I have to do is go, if the dogs are listening at home, I'm sorry. Squirrels! (laughs) And when I yell out squirrels, they dash down the stairs and out the dog door and run to the fence. And it works. Yeah, when we come up with a control for squirrels, you and I can just retire. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, that's become one of the one of the most frustrating problems for gardeners. Yeah. But there is the, the sun issue in the front yard, yeah. but in the backyard issue, uh, and I have good neighbors who who actually removed one of the uh, more shady 
plants oh, <laughs> out okay. of the yard at Coast okay. Redwood Tree. Yeah, yeah, that was go. on my south side, yeah. and that helped a lot. Because we do get questions from people looking for vegetables for the shade, and it's a frustrating it's conversation. Greens. Yeah. There just isn't that much that does well. You can try some things. I mean, it's hard to tell exactly how much sun you have. You lived there for a year before you figured out where the beds exactly. were going to go. I followed the sun for a yeah. year. I, yeah. I kept track of, okay, how much sun is this space getting uh, on a season-to-season basis? April to October is yeah. really the key thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's shaded in the winter, that's not a big deal. Right. But, and yeah. for instance, on the north side of the house, where we also put in some... When someone's really struggling, just try herbs. They'll grow in yeah. almost any situation. They won't, they'd be better in full sun, but anyway. All right. Berries, plant berries. There you go. All right, let's get the garden grappler started okay. here. All right, name a hybrid tomato variety. Kurt in West Sacramento, you're first up. Go ahead, give us a good hybrid here. Uh, early girl. Early um, girl. There you go. Early Can't girl. beat that one. That's also a great choice for gardeners everywhere. It's you got 8 to 10 ounce, nice red, yeah. good flavor, wins taste trials, yeah. very productive practically everywhere, sets and holds its fruit under lower temperature conditions, but also late in the season. Exactly. So just one of those absolutely reliable workhorse tomatoes that people tend to overlook because... Tomato patch this year. (laughs) All right. Good answer, Kurt. I'll be... What do we have for everybody today, Fred? We have, from the folks at Our Water, Our World, tips for a beautiful, healthy lawn. So I'll be sending that your way. Thank you so much. Kurt, thanks for playing our little game. Appreciate it. Okay, so early girl is down. Early girl. Cross that off your list, but there are plenty more hybrids to choose from tomato varieties. We'll take a short break. When we come back, callers two, three, four, and good answer to today's garden grappler question. Name a hybrid tomato variety. Mm-hmm. Kurt said early girl. Yep. And Don Shore is here to judge your answers. And I judge that one good. And what did you say before the break, Don, about I wonder why so-and-so hasn't called? Charlie. How are you, Charlie? <laughs> How you doing, Menrod? Yep. I right. kind of got the people. Yep. Started to think I showed him all the information. Okay, good luck with that. I heard you say Tums. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah, right. no, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, good luck for persuading people, We but we appreciate you making the effort. Okay. No, no, not yet. I just started mine Thursday by seed. There you go. Oh, good Perfect. For you. All yeah, right. There you go. Good. All right. Yeah. So, what's that hybrid tomato variety, Charlie? Uh, Big Zach. Yes, Big Zach Big hybrid. Zach is Excellent choice. Yes, right. it is. Big Zach hybrid is the one that was bred for championships. If you get that yeah. book about growing championship tomatoes, which I happen to have, I think the biggest one now is 13 pounds or 13. something like that. That's ridiculous. It looks like a melon. I mean, it's yeah. astounding. I've grown yeah, it. It's, a, it's an amazing tomato. A lot of those people, they grow it under like a greenhouse. Yeah. And they have a covered. Yes, they're crazy. It's, so it's like yeah. giant pumpkin <laughs> growers. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'll tell you, if you grow lady, she she grew it, it was six pounds yes. in Jersey. Yeah, if you grow it, I've grown it. It, it routinely makes two-pound fruit. Mm-hmm. I planted two for myself, and I planted six for the other gardeners, so okay. we're going to see how big they get. Okay, all right. So I, I did and send you some of those seeds. fig trees? Uh, yeah. I told you about i got to wait till next year because they're out of stock. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. All right, that happens, yeah. too. Southern yeah. California growers are having a problem finding avocado trees for those lost in the freeze yep. and the uh, and the Jeez. fires. Yeah, yeah fig trees. Yeah. Now, you're going to have to kind of work at growing. And where we are, we have a lot of trees. I'm not right near the trees. I'm maybe yeah. like 100, 150, maybe 200 feet. So I kind of wrap them or something? Yeah. Yeah. See, if I, I showed you, I'll, I'll get a picture of the fig trees on my property that are 40 feet tall, <laughs> and I'll post yeah, that for you. Yeah, we had one where I grew up <laughs> yeah. in the pizzeria in their yard, and they used to let people take figs. Yeah, and ex- <laughs> all right, well, that's a good yeah. answer. Big Zach Hybrid definitely qualifies. All right, all right Charlie. And you two have a good Easter and a happy Passover. Uh, okay, I'll send you something in the mail, Charlie. All right, you got it. All right, <laughs> See bye-bye. you later. Thanks all for calling. Right. Okay, bye-bye. I, I don't think Charlie would want the uh, brochure on tips for a beautiful, healthy lawn.
Sure, why not? In Brooklyn, yeah. and chances are not. So, uh, so what uh, hybrid tomato variety would you answer with? Tomato berry. Tomato berry. Tomato berry. Okay, I'm gonna have to. They're do it. little. They're like heart shaped, like strawberries. I assume that's where the tomato berry comes from. Mm-hmm. Well, and very. Oh sweet. yes. Okay. Sure. Yeah, These are like those little saladette sauces and stuff. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, a, not a. Uh, heavy skin, but no, they're yeah. calling it a. It's one of those what they like to call a saladette tomato. They're little, so little like a grape tomato. Yeah, they yeah. like the grape, and they're nice and firm textured, and actually they do really well here. They are a good choice for this area. Yeah, uh, sweet berry. flavor. You're seeing them kind of in the grocery stores too. That's a good choice. They shine well. They pick easily. That's kind of important. They just pull right off. So we'll expect your full report in September. Okay. This, this is about a Juliet sized. Yeah. Oh, I just gave an answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Oh, tomato berry man. definitely qualifies. Disregard yes. what Fred just said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good job. Good answer there. I'll be sending you from Our Water, Our World that information on a beautiful, healthy lawn. Okay. All Thank right. You. Thanks, Jean. Appreciate it. All right. Yes. Yeah, and there is one open line at 916 576 1578 and 866 331 8255. I want to grow this one. This looks really cool. Name a hybrid tomato variety. I was just looking at that price of the tomato berry yeah. uh, at Burpee. Yeah. 10 seeds for seven bucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Have you grown it? No. Okay. I don't really recommend it, but yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely qualifies. Beefmaster and all the ones with names like that are some of the early hybrids from Burpee Seed Company, and they like to tout that beefsteak parentage, which is great if you live in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Zella, because it's Easter and nobody else is calling, if you can come up with another hybrid variety, I'll give you the, the color five price. Ooh. Oh, well, how about Big Boy? That's a great answer. No. That was Burpee's top seller for years. And in fact, we consider that the dividing point between heirloom tomatoes and hybrid tomatoes. Big Boy came out, I think, in the 1950s and uh, caught, you know, the caught on in the industry and it's a classic still a good one i'm growing it again this year so zella because you live in lincoln in placer county i'll be sending you the placer county master gardeners gardening guide and calendar oh my goodness oh wonderful thank you okay. thank you very much you're welcome Thanks bye-bye bye. there we go all right good so all right less postage for me all right, I like <laughs> there that. you go okay so congratulations to all our winners and uh, since we've got a couple of minutes here, let's yeah. delve into the e- giant green onions. Any suggestions? Well, or do I just pull these out and lessons learned? Well, usually we plant in November from bare root plants. That's by far the best well, way to fall. go. Yeah, yeah, fall. And, yeah. and uh, wait until the soil is cooled. From, well, they're from bundled bare root yeah. plants. By right. far the best way to go. Yeah. The little bulb plants, when you, when you buy those in the packages, they just flower. Uh, that's been my experience in a long conversation with Earl Lago Marcino years ago, who was a prim. They're just going to flower when you plant them. If we kept them in cold storage, they'd be fine, but none of us have cold storage facilities. So it may be that you, if you started with bulbs, that might be your problem. We had a weird winter. Warmest November, mm-hmm. warmest December, warmest January on record, warmest first two weeks of February, and yeah. then the coldest weather of the winter. Yes, yeah, set them back originally because they were flowering. Right, could be. Yeah. So it might be that they're simply not going to develop properly. Or if they develop a bulb, they'll be hollow in the middle. You can still yeah. use them, but you got to use them fast. So I, the I, actual bulb itself won't grow till the weather warms up. Right. What you do is you plant them. They grow vigorous foliage. They start to bulb up in about April or early May when it gets. So it's early to be worrying about this anyway. Uh, but I would stop cutting them. You need all that leaf growth to sustain the bulb. So I'm concerned that that might have been a factor. Some questions about fertilization of mm-hmm. onions and garlic, and uh, everything I've read about that talks about maybe dividing fertilization into two uh, feedings, one 
at planting time, right. and then one as the weather gets warmer. Like, like fertilizer, it's still there later. If you're using a synthetic fertilizer, a faster-acting thing, then you would probably need to split that in two. There are those but, who are saying a side dressing of compost this time of year is fine. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, compost, if it has any nitrogen, would be pretty gentle. Um, I would suspect maybe late April, consider kind of bending them over, poke around there and see what's going on. Also, my own experience with Italian red torpedo is that it tends to have odd years. It just, there's a lot of times when it flowers in spite of doing everything right. This is why I always preferred the Stockton red yep. onion, yeah. but you can't find that anymore. Well, there's newer versions. Yeah, the, I the, just, the burger, I, hamburger. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just go to my onion supplier and say, you send me the latest, best variety, because they know better than I do. Uh, but yeah, the Italian red torpedo has its own following. Those mm-hmm. Italian gardeners are kind of hard to persuade of newer varieties. And so I always stock them. And I do get re- complaints about that one just going to flower. Don't so. you have a nursery to go open? I'm going to go uh, go scatter some eggs around. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute now. <laughs> yep. We do this every year. We take some plastic eggs yeah. and we put some little chocolates in. We put them out oh. there. And people come in very nicely dressed with their kids and their kids. Good, reliable staff. Okay. So, <laughs> so there will be someone will open in. at noon. Yeah. All right. But you'll be there as All well. All right. Great to be here. Don Thanks, Shore, always a pleasure to have you here. When we come back, we're talking with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, finding out what's in bloom coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Every month we like to talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum, find out what's in bloom, and as you might imagine, this time of year, early spring, there's a lot happening in the way of showy plants at the UC Davis Arboretum. And we got through about half of Warren's list over on the KFBK Garden Show. But let's finish off that list now here on Get Growing. And Warren, I, I guess we left off, uh, we, we were talking about the aloes, so I bet there's a lot more happening in the way of blooms. There is. Ladybanks roses in bloom right now. Uh, some of the roses, the Ladybanks roses we have have been pruned heavily, but there is one towards the, at the east end of the Arboretum, which is uh, Rosa Banks. The, the, the new foliage on some of them is bronzy or reddish. And then the flowers are starting to appear. Syringa laciniae, or laciniata, I should say, is one of the lilacs. It's sometimes called the Persian succulent plant, which can be grown as a ground cover. There are a number of colorful, well, two different color forms, orange or yellow. The yellow is the typical one. And uh, the leaves can be used <clears throat> like the leaves of aloe vera for, um, for healing uh, small wounds. The knipasias are uh, blooming, and... There's one called Christmas cheer, which the main blooming period is the winter, but are to produce flowers uh, all year. Not the same plant, but plants in different locations. The bush lupin is in bloom right now too. <clears throat> there's a, it's a very it's a very dramatic California native plant. There's a lot um, a verbena native to Cedros Island off the coast of Baja California, and it's now verbenas in, in that group of the genus are called glandularia. This would be glandularia lilacina delamina is the cultivar name. And it gets about two feet tall flowers this time of year. Another desert plant from the west is <clears throat> Ancelia californica. It's, uh, I guess you could call it the California sunflower. It's actually native to the Los Angeles basin. Not as common there as it used to be, but it's you still, as you drive around Los Angeles and you find areas that are not built upon, you'll often find it, this shrub growing. It's about three feet tall in the Arboretum. 
But the Mediterranean redbud, uh, the Judas tree, Cercis siliquastrum, we have several big specimens of that, and that's in full bloom now. I just saw one in Woodland, California, which has a trunk that's about four feet through, so it can get big. And in Rome, it's used as a street tree. Hoogervillea is in bloom now. Many of them are good hummingbird plants, although being from Australia, or from Australia where there are no hummingbirds, there are other birds, but our own hummingbirds love them. Grevillea Wilson's hybrid has salmon-colored flowers and blooms most of the year. And there's another Grevillea foliage, really a dramatic. It's one of those, if you see it out of the corner of your eye, you'll find yourself gasping. It's, it's so, so beautiful. Chiananthus retusus, which is native to China, is in the same family as olives and olive. Chiananthus retusus. There is another Chiananthus native to the eastern U.S., Chiananthus virginicus. We don't have one right now, but it has more silvery flowers. Iris japonica. This is not the Japanese iris, which is a, a iris in theta. Iris japonica, though, has look like delicate orchids, really. I remember somebody asking me what orchid this was. Well, it was an iris. And the uh, flower is a pale, pale lavender and then it has uh, yellow markings in it, Iris japonica. The uh, flamingo tree, Tuna sinensis, salmon color, it's really, <laughs> it, it depends, the color depends upon the, the, the season. Uh, it comes into leaf in the spring, and if you have cool weather, this, uh, the leaves stay pure pink. They look like made of pink glass. Mm. And uh, it's almost like a bamboo the way it, the way it looks. So they're hard to describe. I know of no other plant that's quite like it. Eleogeny hugeli, which is the blue, so-called blue hibiscus, also from Australia, from, I believe, western, uh, southwestern Australia. And uh, the, the flower looks like it's made of lavender silk. It often blooms about the same time as the uh, three or three weeks. It has to have perfect drainage, though. So uh, there's one of those that at the, at the campus south entrance in bloom right now, you can't miss it. Anyway, it, that's about all that I have. All right. We did it. But you can see a lot of these plants when you take a stroll through the uh, UC Davis Arboretum. You can see April the 7th, and I believe that's uh, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And you that's can right. you can yeah. join uh, the Arboretum at the door and save some money on plants. Yes, and, and then I'll, I plan to be there. So if you have questions... I'll be at the plant information table. Looking forward to seeing everybody. And you have a walk with Warren on Wednesday, April 11th from noon to 1 o'clock. Yes, and that was, is out. Uh, we, it's not a strenuous <laughs> it's not a strenuous walk. Uh, we just wander from plant to plant, That talking about those that are uh, in bloom or showing seeds. Your time. And thank you, Fred. I enjoyed it very much. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Coming up Saturday, April 7th, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., the American River College horticulture horticulture professor out there at American River College. And Andy, your students are growing uh, what sort of plants besides vegetables? Um, Yeah, we're growing a lot of California natives like buckwheat, yarrow, soapwort, artemisia, um, lots of succulents, echeveria, aeoniums. Uh, we have some vines out there, like hardenbergia and some jasmines, um, as well as annual flowers. 
um, which is we grew last year. So if you came to our sale last year, we have about three times the stock. Wow, that's a, a big selection of plants you're going to have for sale. And what are you going to have in the way of vegetables? So vegetables, uh, we grew a lot of heirloom vegetables from Baker Creek this year. So um, as well as berries, we have some blackberries, uh, triple crown bear root. We have some blueberries. I'm really looking forward to this one pepper this year. Um, it's called habanera. It's a habanero. It's had the heat bred out of it. So it's supposed to have the flavor of a habanero, but not the heat. A lot of California natives you mentioned and uh, great plants that attract uh, beneficial insects and pollinators, like uh, one of my favorites you have. Uh, and some uh, latifolium and giganteum and uh, others, too. Love buckwheats. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and long bloom season, too, May through November. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Talk a little bit about the heirloom uh, tomatoes that you might be growing this year and have for sale. Yeah, so um, we have some of the uh, probably more uh, known ones like Black Cram and uh, Cherokee Purple, um, San Marzano, uh, pink oxheart varieties because they're so meaty and those seed membranes are really small. Um, that's just my my favorite. Um, we also have some black cherry tomatoes, and then we do have a hybrid. Of course, we have to carry the sun golds. Everybody loves the sun gold. The two fifty to three dollars for any of these three and a half inch plants. And what what I find really nifty about this is these are all grown by the students and they're sold by the students. So not only yes. do they have the horticultural experience of growing the plants, they have the real life of experience of dealing with the public. Yes, um, it's a very, very much project-based learning. So they have a um, an Excel spreadsheet of every plant, um, every vegetable that they're growing for the sale uh, with the date they need to sow it. And they have to keep track of the media used, the amendments they're inserting, um, container size, the environment. And they have to track um, all the success rates. So the germination rate, um, success rate going from one container to another. And they have to adjust uh, at the end of the sale so we could do better next year. My heavens, that propagation what mix are you using for those? Uh, yeah, so we're using um, a sterilized uh, seed mix, which is, it's kind of a 50-50 inorganic organic. So perlite, peat, and um, vermiculite is our main for our uh, seed mix. And we put that into a soil sterilizer, which is really, we call it the magic mix. It's a, it's a mix we get from Ready Grow. So it's a probably 12 uh, ingredients deep, um, but heavy on fur bark. Um, it's California natives and a lot more. Andy, talk a little bit about the classes that you teach out there at American River College. Yeah, so um, I teach the Introduction to Horticulture class, which is an overall of horticulture. Um, it does have a heavy emphasis on plant science um, in the middle of the semester, but we also explore a lot of careers as well as have successful students from our program come in and guest speak or take field trips to their spots uh, throughout the semester. I also teach soil science. Uh, soil science is changing every year uh, that I teach it. It's a, it's a basic intro soil science. So they learn soil orders. They learn, they do these soil texture tests. They learn all about their soil that they bring in from their yard. And then we also get a little heavy um, into the introduction of soil biology and the soil food web. And uh, some of those principles that are taught by Dr. Elaine Ingham and Spring. Uh, we just went to McKinley Park last week, and that was fun. There's so many good plants out of McKinley Park. Um, and then plant production, which I it's possible we'll be teaching that in the summer. 
uh, but we definitely do it in the fall. And plant production is very similar to plant propagation in that students are in charge of the sales and um, learning all the ins and outs of marketing and starting the nursery. It's a very practical related field that they teach out there at American River College's horticulture department. It prepares students for real life experiences in the broad world of horticulture. And I'm sure you agree, Matsudas, um, all over the place. And we have um, two other parts of our program, um, our design side and our floral design taught by two other instructors. Our department head, uh, Chelo Siki, teaches landscape design as well as construction. And he's a successful landscape architect who runs a business in the Bay Area called Land4. So students really have a really good opportunity to learn from a professional like Chelo, um, as well as Suzanne O'Brien, who teaches all of our floral classes. And she's starting to transition the program to include flower farming because it's become such a big thing. Um, I know at some of the farms I've gone to, tomatoes used to be their number one crop and flowers direct the consumer have well passed that in the profits. Andy Cott, he's the uh, horticulture professor out at American River, because on the backside of the campus, sort of the southeast corner of Lot A there at, uh, what would that be, College Oak and Myrtle? Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you go to our um, Instagram, we have an Instagram and follow us at American River Hort. Um, in our profile link there, there's a uh, there's a link you can click and it'll add River College. Just head to the southeast corner of the campus and, and look for all the cars at the plant sale. 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday, April 7th. Andy Codd, American River College Hort Professor. Thanks for a few minutes of your time today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. A lot of garden events going on. Let's uh, talk about some of them that will be happening. Things, siding, and pruning plants. This uh, series of classes is intended for professionals who install, maintain, design, or provide materials for all types of urban landscapes. The class is put on by the folks at Rescape California, formerly known as Ecolandscape California. And these classes are held Module 3 series of uh, talks and workshops starting on Thursday, April 5th, 6 to 8.30 p.m. You can uh, visit uh, the website ecolandscape.org or rescapeca.auths in the garden. Are they pollinators or are they pests? Maybe they're a little of both. Chet Blackburn will be giving that talk as he talks about the night shift because moths fly at night. And that's at uh, 10 a.m. Friday at Carmichael Park at 5750 Grant Avenue in Carmichael. That is free. And at Woodland Community College, they're having their spring plant sale over uh, two Saturdays, April 7th and April 14th. 9 until 1 o'clock at Woodland Community College, Building 400, which is located at 2300 East Gibson Road in um, Woodland. Also next Saturday, Napa at 1710 Soskal Avenue, and again, uh, 930 to 1130 next Saturday. Amador County Master Gardeners have a class on attracting pollinators with container gardening. That'll be Saturday morning, 9 to noon at the GSA building in Jackson at 12200B Airport Road. Uh, Don Smith, he is the uh, Waterwise uh, Water Coordinator, Conservation Coordinator for the City of Folsom, and he's holding another ASPARC. That'll be next Saturday, 10 to 2. Drop by. Don will be demonstrating the latest in sprinkler technology, the latest in controls, and you can uh, 
see them in action and ask your questions next Saturday, 10 to 2, there at Folsom City Lions Park at 403 Stafford Street. Get on out of here making room for the news, followed by the KSDE Farm Hour, where we talk about what the effect tariffs are having on California agriculture. That's coming up on the KSDE Farm Hour. Thanks for listening. We'll do it all again next Sunday morning, 10 to noon, right here on Talk 650 KSTE.